It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on into Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us on a Thursday edition of the podcast. A lot to get to on today's edition of the show. You're going to hear from Josh Ward, host of Locked On Vols, the Tennessee Volunteers podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll talk about what Tennessee offers and what they're looking like in fall camp as BYU will face them in week two of the season. Kind of get the lowdown on what's going on at Rocky Top from Josh Ward. First segment of today's show. Uh, we'll get to our practice insider, his report from about two weeks into fall camp, what he's observed, what he's learned about BYU football. So we'll get to that here in this first segment. Then Josh Ward in the second and third segments of today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped, as well as the Locked On NFL, Locked On, excuse me, Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll tell you about both of them on today's edition of the show as we roll on. So let's get to it. This is the Locked On Cougars Podcast for August fifteenth, twenty nineteen. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, in my day job, and it's a blast to be with you each and every day right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. A lot to get to on today's edition of the podcast, but our practice insider, we did this last week, he weighed in with his thoughts from the first week of watching multiple BYU practices, some of the insights he has had. Well, I had a chance to catch up with him, talk about what he learned from kind of week two of fall camp for BYU, partially week three, just some of his thoughts since we left. Talked, and I got some good information. So let's pass that along. Let's kind of run down what we've got here. Currently, a cornerback for BYU, it's Diane Gonwoloku locking down at one side of the ball. And we went out of media observation, and he is very much going to be a cornerback this year. Could move inside to play nickel in some packages, I think, play that flash linebacker role in a nickel package if BYU needed it. But on the other side, it's been Isaiah Heron and D'Angelo Mandel going back and forth with a nice little battle there. We'll see who emerges as the starter out of that that group, but it's good to have competition in that position. I think a lot of people have wondered if Dimitri Gallo can get into the mix and get into the rotation. He was slow getting into school. He has been cleared to join the team and he's been practicing, but as of yet, he hasn't moved past guys like Shimon Willis and George Udo. Uh, Shimon Willis, of course, the son of former BYU great Jamal Willis is a transfer from Weber State while George Udo is an incoming freshman out of the Sacramento, California area, Bay Area, actually Bay Area, part of California Walnut area, but Interestingly, Dimitri Gallo hasn't moved up yet. Javel Brown also continues to get time there. Another freshman in the mix at, at at cornerback for BYU. We'll see what happens with this position group because there's plenty to kind of keep an eye on with who's going to who's gonna pan out. But it appears that you have a three-man rotation at minimum right now with Diane Gonwoloku, Isaiah Heron, and then uh, and then D'Angelo Mandel. It sounds like Keenan Ellis will miss this upcoming season due to a combination of injury and academics uh, based on what I have been told. Here's hoping he can get everything in order and rejoin the team in short order. But we'll keep you updated with any other news that comes with that. That. Uh, a couple of the position moves. Darius McFarland was expected to play kind of that H-back tight end role for BYU this coming year. He was originally moved to fullback in BYU's kind of old offense under uh, Jeff Grimes with Tanner Mangum at the helm. Well, he's actually been moved back to 
the defensive line, defensive end in particular, as of this past weekend. We'll see how he pans out there. He was originally recruited as a defensive end, and it's going to be an interesting thing to see if he can transition back now to being a defensive end and help BYU in that regard. Uh, Biggest concern from our insider talking is he said that he is worried about the pass rush, and that's not all that surprising if you're a BYU fan. It's been an ongoing issue since Kalani Sitake showed up. They haven't had an elite pass rusher along that defensive line to any meaningful degree in my mind since Kalani Sitake came on board as head coach at BYU. And I'm not sure where the answer is going to come from to find somebody who can do that on this year's Roster. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. It will be interesting to see what happens. Uh, it sounds like at middle linebacker Keenan Peely has the lead right now, as previously reported. Uh, he's competing with Peyton Wilgar as well as Jackson Kafusi. And if Kavika Fanua, who's been dinged a little bit, he's been out of practice recently, if he can get back to being full, fully healthy and able to get back onto the practice field, he definitely could be in the mix for that position as well. Uh, a couple of the notes before we step aside here for our first break of the hour. Um, is that Zach Wilson, his arm isn't 100% quite yet, but it is coming along. He's still very much on a pitch count. When they reach that limit of pitches or throws in a day, he is cut off. Uh, Jaron Hall has been picking up the slack in terms of picking up the other reps with the with the number one offense. We'll see how that goes, but it sounds like... Uh, Zach Wilson is moving towards getting to full health. Hopefully his shoulder holds up. We won't really know until he takes that first hit in the first game against Utah, and we'll see what happens at that point. Uh, last couple of points here from our practice insider is that at tight end, Carter Wheat, where number 99, which I described as being badass, and I still think it's badass, uh, he has actually been a very pleasant revelation at the tight end spot. Uh, incoming freshman, son of former BYU lineman Warren Wheat, has been a good had a good showing so far far in fall camp, especially in light of Hank Tui Pelotu re-injuring his knee. Isaac Rex, a fellow freshman coming off a mission, has shown well, and we'll see what happens with Moroni Laulu Pututau. Uh, Kalani Sitake and Jeff Grimes expressing hope and expectation that he'll be cleared this week to rejoin the team. If you have a nice four or five-man rotation at tight end with that group, I think it could pay dividends. Uh, Joe Tukuafu has been dinged up a little bit, a little bit injured, has not been practicing recently, according to our insider. Uh, I knew he had a ways to go to get back into game shape. Hopefully he's able to shake off whatever's ailing him and he can get back on the practice field in short order. And the last note I wanted to pass along to you guys is it sounds like more and more that Jake Oldroyd, uh, Jake the make, the field goal kicker who was the hero of BYU's first game under Kalani Sitake winning that game against Arizona before injuring his back and going on a mission. He's back and apparently he is absolutely booming the ball, both kicking it and also punting it. It's looking more and more likely if Danny Jones or another legitimate option at punter doesn't emerge in short order, Jake Oldroyd could be your place kicker and punter this year until proven otherwise. That would be an interesting development to see what sh- what shakes out with that. And we'll, of course, keep you up to date with anything else that comes out when it comes to BYU football's fall camp rolls on. So thanks to our practice insider for passing along these reports. Each week we'll catch up with him again next week with some of his thoughts as BYU shifts into game prep mode. Monday, Tuesday, kind of in that window, they're going to shift over and begin game week preparations for the University of Utah and it's on y'all it is coming quick day number 14 today we're talking about Dimitri Gallo I talked about yesterday how number 14 didn't have a player on the roster well Dimitri Gallo it is kind of surprising that he is running with the threes theoretically right now on the defense for BYU I know he came with some aplomb 
I remember Ed Lamb saying at signing day when asked about Dimitri Gallo, he thought he was one of the best bump and run corner prospects he had seen at the JUCO level in quite some time. I think he's been slowed up just in terms of getting into school. It's kind of slowed his ability to contribute to BYU. But if he's able to get on the field and show what he can do, I think he could be a very good option for the Cougars. But he's got to get on the field in the first place. A junior college transfer from Mount San Jacinto College down there in Southern California. Casey Mazada, former BYU player, the head coach there, helping kind of lead guys that he thinks can fit at BYU, getting them on the radar of BYU coaches. And it appears that uh, Dimitri Gallo is just that. We'll see if he's able to get on the field. I love his pictures. He wears these glasses that look like they should be long to a man who's 40 years older than him. Absolutely fantastic. And here's hoping he can get healthy, uh, get himself in shape, and also be able to contribute to BYU this coming season. Because if he could become that fourth cornerback option, saying alongside Diane Gonwoluku, D'Angelo Mandel, and Isaiah Heron, having a four-man rotation would make you feel a lot better about BYU's cornerbacks. But there's other options on the roster so we'll see what happens so day number 15 in our church and state player countdown series is number 15 Dimitri Gallo we're going with number 14 today because it's 14 days away from BYU and Utah kicking off the season all right that'll do it for this first segment coming up next Josh Ward from Locked On Vols also a radio host down there in the Knoxville area hosting a sports radio talk show down there we'll catch up with him and talk about Jeremy Pruitt's squad before we do that though a reminder for you that support for Locked On Cougars today comes from Manscaped who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen Manscaped on Shark Tank and Men's Journal recently named their Lawnmower 2.0 as one of the best tools in men's grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. Using that promo code LOCKEDON, save yourself 20%. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Back to Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. A reminder for you guys, when you guys are out and about driving around in your car, make sure to plug in your smart device and tell it to play podcast Locked On Cougars. Hey, and if you also want to get an insight into the Tennessee Volunteers, who are BYU's week two opponent down there in Knoxville, well, you can also check out Locked On Vols. And I'm pleased to welcome in Josh Ward, who is the host of Locked On Vols and also a radio host down there in the Knoxville area. Josh, how are you today? Hey, doing well. Great to be with you. Absolutely. So, Josh, BYU and Tennessee going to be squaring off there at Neyland Stadium in week two of the season. We saw a report uh, come out, I think it was a couple days ago, that BYU sold out their allotment of tickets, expecting more than 7,000 BYU fans to make the trip to Knoxville for this game. What's kind of been the, uh, the, the reaction from the fan base about this game against BYU? It's actually a game that we've talked more about here the last few days in Knoxville because I've tried to mention periodically during the offseason that this is a game that Tennessee better be ready for. The players need to be ready to go, and they can't just look at BYU and think, okay, 
they're coming here. We're better than them. We have better players. We'll be fine. We'll just show up and win. That's not the approach Tennessee should take at all, in, in my opinion. I've tried to pass that along to fans as well because a lot of the fans' conversation, I think, includes kind of an assumption that Tennessee will beat BYU, and then the real season begins when SEC play opens up in week four, Tennessee going to Florida. BYU is, I think, a team that's going to come in pretty confident. We'll have had a couple of extra days coming off that Utah opener to get ready for the game. And I don't think Tennessee's, I don't think, excuse me, BYU's players will be intimidated by the atmosphere. They'll be playing in an impressive stadium, but they went, a lot of these guys at least went to Wisconsin last year and won. So uh, Tennessee needs to be ready. And I think fans are starting to recognize that that's really the start of the season. The ball's open with Georgia State, and then we'll really be tested week two against BYU. How is Jeremy Pruitt taking to this, taking to this job? I've seen plenty of uh, interaction with the media over the years, but how is how have your interactions with him gone so far as him taking over as head coach there? Yeah, I do think that Jeremy Pruitt is more comfortable as a head coach. Uh, a, year, a year ago, he was really learning on the job. He had been a defensive coordinator for several years at three different schools, three big-time programs, Georgia, Florida State, and Alabama. So he had an idea walking in of what it takes to run a successful major college program, but he was then in charge of getting everything going in that kind of direction. And I think he had to learn how to deal with the media process because he hadn't really had to do that as an assistant coach, especially at Alabama. So that was all kind of a process that he had to go through, getting to know his roster, trying to build relationships with the players, people behind the scenes. I think Jeremy Pruitt just appears more comfortable in all of that right now, and he has more of his players that he has recruited to Tennessee. Now the expectation level rises, and let's see if Tennessee can get there. But I think Jeremy Pruitt has a better grasp of what it takes to be a head coach than he did a year ago. Tennessee's a very proud program. I remember as a youngster growing up watching the Peyton Manning years, of course watching T. Martin lead them to the national championship under Phil Fulmer. How uh, anxious is this fan base to get to an, back to an elite status in college football? It's almost difficult to describe at this point. Uh, the, the desire, the desperation from Tennessee fans to even be in that conversation. Tennessee knocked on that door in 2016, the Vols were ranked in the preseason top 10, and then halfway through the season, Tennessee was unbeaten at 5-0, and and then even at 5-1, and Tennessee was still ranked in the top 10, and then things kind of fell apart that season, and it's gotten worse since then. Now the Vols are trying to climb back out of the bottom of the SEC East. Tennessee's been last in its own division each of the last two seasons. So considering we're talking about more than 20 years now since what you talked about, that national championship, you you now have Tennessee fans who grew up watching Tennessee win at such a high level who have kids that have no idea or at least have never seen Tennessee be really any good at all. And uh, that's why I would come back to the word desperation. That would describe the fan base's desire to see Tennessee get back there. They're hoping that this is the year that, start, that starts to show that progress, that Tennessee is going to win at least at a higher level. I think a lot of the conversation is, can Tennessee go win seven, maybe eight games? And if that's the case, it's not an all-time season, but it could have Tennessee headed in the right direction to get to that ultimate goal, and that's being one of the more elite programs in college football. Jeremy Pruitt went out and spent big money to get Jim Chaney to come over from Georgia. What's the reaction been to him taking over as offensive coordinator? That's where a lot of the optimism comes with Tennessee being able to take a step forward. Chaney's a very well-thought-of offensive coach. Jeremy Pruitt has coached against him and I think has an incredible level of respect for Jim Chaney. And there should be a better working relationship 
between Pruitt and Cheney than there was with Pruitt and Tyson Helton a year ago. Helton's now the head coach at Western Kentucky. So that split kind of worked out both ways for Helton to become a head coach in Tennessee to then be able to go get uh, Jim Cheney away from Georgia, by the way, in the, the SEC East. We shouldn't overlook the importance of that, that you take him away from a rival. Georgia should be just fine with all the talent they have. But uh, there's a lot of excitement with what Cheney might be able to do with the offense overall. Can he help the offensive line be better? Because that's been a concern. And can he help fourth-year quarterback Jared Garantano go to an even higher level because Garantano has talent. He has shown promise. He has improved each year. And if he now has the best offensive coordinator since he arrived at Tennessee, I think a lot of people, media fans, people within the buildings there at UT say this should be the best Garantano has played at Tennessee, which could also help Tennessee get to an even higher level. Uh, Derek Ansley takes over as defensive coordinator now at Tennessee as well. So they changed out both coordinators. I feel like the defense was actually somewhat decent a year ago. Are they expecting just kind of more of the same, or are they expecting continued improvement on that side of the ball? Yeah, it's an interesting question with the defense because there's a big turnover with the defensive line. They don't really have much experience there, but they have a number of players, some young players, some newcomers uh, with some JUCO transfers who uh, they're going to play big roles and play a big part of what Tennessee's doing defensively right away. And, And with those new roles, are they ready for it? On August 31st, on September 7th, when BYU comes to Knoxville, I don't know. That's a big question. But Jeremy Pruitt talked about that this week, and he's hoping as time goes and things slow down a little bit for those players that they will uh, play at a higher level. And bringing in Derek Ansley to be the defensive coordinator while Jeremy Pruitt will still be very much involved, I think they're hoping that there is uh, better cohesion, better coaching, and improved communication on that side of the football. And that's not something that's going to happen instantly, but over time as young players become more comfortable, there's a true freshman at linebacker who could be starting very early this season. That's something to pay attention to. It's going to take time for those guys to grow and and to become better players and for uh, each player at each level to have an understanding of what they're doing defensively. Once that happens, I think Jeremy Pruitt is hoping that with Derek Ansley now there on the staff that things can start to click uh, on a more consistent basis defensively. Talking with Josh Ward, host of Locked On Vols, part of the Locked On Podcast Network here. We'll take a time out here, Josh, come back and talk a little bit more in specific about individual players like Jared Garantano. A reminder for you guys before we do that, though, to check out the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure to listen to Vinny Iyer. He will give you the edge with over 20 years of covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same podcast as everyone else, then you will be the same. Get the edge from Vinny. They'll put you ahead on draft day and keep you ahead all season long. Check out the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast on your favorite podcast podcast provider. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on, so find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Welcome 
Welcome back to Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. I'm Jay Catch, your host here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. Also joined by Locked On Vols host, Josh Ward. Josh, we want to talk a little bit in particular about individual players here. And you mentioned uh, Jared Garantano, a fourth-year player at quarterback for Tennessee. He's improved every year. He's been in a volunteer uniform. Where do fans and the coaching staff want to see him improve most in 2019? I think part of that is playmaking within the offense. Tennessee had a big win at Auburn last year, and Garantano had a terrific performance. He was um, he was receiving national recognition as a player of the week winner uh, that that week because of what he was able to do against Auburn, but he couldn't do that enough consistently, and that was not all his fault. He didn't have enough protection up front, but yeah, with Garantano, he's talked about having a better understanding of protection and what he sees before the ball is snapped and now maybe having more control, more say in that. And uh, I think that would all go together, being able to make more plays, but also being able to put Tennessee in position, being able to put his teammates in position to where they can make plays as well. That can kind of go back to our conversation with Jim Chaney. But I think that would just speak to the overall development. Now that he's in his fourth year in the program, Garantano arrived as a guy that I think a lot of fans were expecting. He was going to be this mobile quarterback running all over the place, and he does have mobility. He's athletic. He can move. But he's a guy that's going to stay in the pocket and deliver the football through the air. Tennessee has to continue to protect him, and that's the biggest issue. But if that happens, there is a lot of optimism from fans who have started to warm to Garantano because last year there was still a lot of talk of should Keller Crisp be the guy, and I kept saying no. Uh, but now that Garantano is clearly the starter, there is uh, nobody pushing him to be the guy. Fans, I think, are now getting more optimistic that he can take his game to another level, potentially to an all-SEC level. Guys, he's going to throw to this year. Uh, uh, Jawan Jennings injured, got injured, I think, after just one game, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, he's dealt with a number of injuries the last couple of seasons, so missed uh, most of the 2017 season and then came back last year but was not really 100% all the way through. But he's a senior receiver who probably line up at the slot. He can line up outside. He can line up in the backfield. He's a high school quarterback. Juwan's really important in the offense. In terms of other receivers, are there other uh, players that BYU fans should keep an eye on in terms of guys Gar- Garantano will be targeting this year? Yeah, I would say that there are a few. Uh, staying at wide receiver, I think Marquez Callaway is a player to absolutely pay attention to. He has all SEC potential. Um, a player that fans might be familiar with, Juju Smith-Schuster. He was yeah. coached by T. Martin at USC. T., the former quarterback you mentioned earlier, he's coaching Tennessee's wide receivers and compared Callaway to Juju. Now, that's high praise, uh, but let's see if Callaway can do something like that. He's a senior who can make big plays down the field. And then also, uh, number five, Josh Palmer. He was Tennessee's selection for the most improved player in the spring. Uh, another USC comparison, but he was compared to Nelson Aguilar by uh, T. Martin. So okay. uh, you continue to see the USC comparison there, but they have good size, good speed, can get down the field. Uh, they're playmakers. And then number four, the tight end, Dominique Wood Anderson, he's a senior who chose Tennessee over Alabama and Texas A&M a couple of years ago as a junior college transfer, speaks to his talent. He should have a bigger role in Tennessee's offense as well. And that goes back to the confidence in Garantano. He has playmakers around him. Let's see if they can make more plays consistently. I saw a report recently that, they've, uh, that Tennessee has had six offensive linemen medically retire in the past year. How much of a concern is the offensive line, if at all? 
Yeah, the, the offensive line is probably the biggest question going into the season. Um, there are a number of guys with talent. Tennessee has two five-star high school All-Americans on campus now, Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright. But you always ask the obvious question, well, how ready are freshmen going to be, especially if you, have, if you have a couple of freshmen on the field at the same time. So Darnell's battling a senior, Marcus Tatum, who's you know, struggled at times during his career. He's a senior. He's put on more weight. Is he ready to go? Brandon Kennedy is back after tearing his ACL week one a year ago. He's a senior at center. You like that he's a senior? He's really inexperienced. He started the first game last year, and then that was it. Trey Smith may play. He may not. He's Tennessee's best player if he's cleared, but he's dealt with blood clot issues, very serious medical situation, and we don't know if he'll be able to play or not. And then there are other guys battling for either starting positions or playing time at least to be the, you know, in the top six to seven rotation. So Tennessee's deep, and Tennessee has a lot of options, but I don't know how many guys have actually locked down starting positions and a little more than two weeks to go before the start of the season, that can be a little concerning. Switching over to the defensive line, we saw that Emmett Gooden, the former last chance U star, suffered an ACL injury. You mentioned in the previous segment that defensive line lost a lot of guys from last year. What are they going to do along the defensive line to replace all that talent? You know, it's kind of like the offensive line. A lot of numbers, a lot of players to talk about. Mm -hmm. Nobody who's proven. There's a, a player named Aubrey Solomon, this is an any-day-now situation, so uh, depending on uh, when you listen to this conversation, he may or may not have received word from the NCAA, but Aubrey transferred from Michigan. He's hoping to, to receive clearance to play right away as an undergraduate transfer, and if he does not receive clearance from the NCAA, then Tennessee runs into an even bigger concern because I, I would argue that Gooden and Solomon are their two best defensive linemen. They already know Gooden's out. If Solomon can't play either, it puts a lot of pressure on a couple of JUCO guys who have transferred in, a few second-year guys who are now expected to play bigger roles. Uh, there's a third-year player named Matthew Butler who's you know, a quality guy. I don't know that there's one standout player. Tennessee's strength, if it's going to have it up front, would be the numbers. But if you start to run through eight to ten names and you don't know if any of them are ready to go, well, in the end, some of them probably aren't going to be, right? So uh, Jeremy Pruitt right now is really tasked with getting those guys to understand what their roles are uh, within the defensive structure and on the defensive line as they're about to play significant snaps in the SEC really for the first time with all of these guys, and that's a big concern going in. On the back end, their defensive secondary, they, they started a number of freshmen a year ago, but getting that experience, it appears that coming back they should be pretty strong in that area. Do you agree? Yeah, I think that's the case. Depth is still a question mark with the defensive backfield, but those freshmen that started as corners last year are now two starters uh, as sophomores, Alante Taylor and Bryce Thompson. They're probably two of the more talented players on Tennessee's football team. So Tennessee feels good there, but what about behind them? The third corner right now is probably a true freshman at nickel. uh, That's an important position in Jeremy Pruitt's defense. Tennessee would normally start a senior in Balaam Buchanan, but he's dealing with uh, a neck issue, a narrowing of the spine situation that Jeremy Pruitt actually just talked about this week. And right now, I do not expect him to play for Tennessee, so somebody else will have to step up in that position. They've got a battle going on for one of the safety spots. Similar to the defensive line, there are a lot of guys to talk about, uh, but beyond the top three or four defensive backs, there are a lot of guys that are unproven who will now have a chance to show that they're ready to play at a much higher level. 
All right, last thing for me for you is we talked about the fact there's going to be thousands of BYU fans going to Knoxville for this game. Your guy who has covered this team for a long time, what are the can't-miss or must-do things for BYU fans when they go to visit Rocky Top? Yeah, get around town. Um, downtown Knoxville, which is not far from campus, uh, has really blossomed recently. Uh, but being around the, the Tennessee campus area is really cool. It's right on the river, so you'll check out the Vol Navy if you want to. Calhoun's on the river is right there, and that's a popular spot. Uh, Market Square, uh, which is in between downtown and UT's campus, check that out. There are really cool restaurants uh, there. And then on Gay Street, which is right in the middle of downtown. Uh, Stock and Barrel is a cool burger place. If you want me to throw out a, a couple of spots for you, I can do that. But um, it, it's a cool area that's really blossomed in the last five to ten years. So, uh, of course, being around the, the tailgating scene outside the stadium on game days, cool. But uh, if you have time, get downtown, uh, get around the river, and, and have some fun. It, it'll be hot, so make sure that you're, uh, that you're hydrated out there uh, in uh, the second weekend of, uh, I guess, the first weekend of September. So um, I hope everybody has a great time because uh, I think it's going to be a, a cool experience. I think a lot of Tennessee fans are excited about making that return trip in a few years for the Tennessee-BYU game when Tennessee travels. Awesome. Josh, can't thank you enough for taking the time. We'll look forward to catching up with you as the game gets a little bit closer, all right? Yeah, good to be on with you. Thanks so much. There you have it. Josh Ward, Locked On Vols. If you want more information on the Tennessee Volunteers, check out his daily podcast covering the Tennessee Volunteers right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Can't thank him enough for taking the time to join us here on the podcast. And it sounds like Tennessee is a little bit of a wounded dog, but of course, wounded animals can be most dangerous. We'll see what happens with BYU as this game draws closer, but I think there's an opportunity for BYU to go on the road and pick up a win. It's going to require them to, to be able to take this on the road. Let's put it that way. BYU has struggled mightily in some of these bigger road games over the years, and we'll see what they do when they head to Rocky Top. 100,000-plus people. Should be an exciting time. I will be out there covering it for the Zone Sports Network. Excited to see the number of BYU fans who do make the trip. It sounds like more than 7,000 expected to make the trip. So if you guys are making the trip, let me know. Hit me up on social media. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Locked On Cougars. Follow me at Jacob C. Hatch. And if you'd like to drop a, drop the show a note via email, you'd like to sponsor the show, etc., feel free to reach out anytime via email LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. That That'll do it for today's edition of the podcast brought to you today by our good friends at Manscaped as well as the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. Check out both of them. Go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code Locked On for 20% off at manscaped.com. A fantastic offer there, so make sure you check that out. We'll catch you guys tomorrow catching up with Skylar Southam and Jake Oldroyd, the two kickers from the BYU football program, getting their thoughts on competing with each other and also just in terms of their overall relationship between these two friendly competitors as to who will be the eventual kicker for BYU this season. You'll hear that on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. Until then, this has been Locked on Cougars for August 15th, 2019. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.